Hi, this is Malia Warner. Welcome to Power Principles, the podcast, where we discuss principles that give you power to educate and elevate your life. Hi, friends. Welcome. I am so glad you are here today. I want to start with some follow-ups from previous episodes. First off, I did a bonus episode before I really launched in January called Abundance at Christmas. And then I took it down because it was mostly an episode to test all of the technology and make sure everything was working. And plus it was Christmas, a Christmas episode. And so I thought, well, that doesn't really apply in February. So I just took that episode down off my website. But I've been thinking a lot about that episode. And I've had a lot of comments about that. And one day I got an email from my son who is in South Africa. He is serving as a full-time missionary for our church. And he said how that episode has really helped him and that thinking about abundance is helping him when he feels a struggle that he doesn't have enough time, that he doesn't have enough time to serve all the people that he wants to serve, to teach the people that he wants to teach. He just feels like there aren't enough hours in the day. And so he said, just thinking about that abundance just helps him to think, I have enough time. I have plenty of time to do what matters most and plenty of time to do the things that are important and enough time. Then I had an experience with this where for a couple of weeks I was feeling really sluggish and I just couldn't decide if my body was still trying to get over the cold that it picked up at the holidays and I just felt like I was struggling with energy again. And then I thought about the abundance filter and reminded myself to stop the thoughts that were going, I don't have enough energy, I don't feel good, I shouldn't take a nap, why do I need a nap again? And I changed my thoughts back to, I have enough energy to do everything I need to do. I have enough resources. I have enough power. If I need to take a nap, that's okay, body. I will take a nap and give you time to heal and do what you need to do because I have enough. I have enough time. I have enough energy to get the things done that are important. And that just really helped me. So I am going to put that episode back up on the website. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it because it wasn't there, you can click on maliawarner.com, select the podcasts from the menu, and it's called Abundance at Christmas. It also works as well to have abundance in February, abundance in June, abundance in August, or whenever you listen to it. You can have abundance anytime by changing your thought filter to a filter of abundance. Next, I have three follow-ups about last week's episode, The Power of Want and Desire. We talked about how it's really our desires that give us power to make things happen in our life. And I shared one of my favorite quotations that it's the education of our desires that is one of the greatest works of our life and is of great importance in contributing to our happiness. So this first follow-up is something that I personally got out of that episode. I love doing this podcast because I'm constantly learning from these principles and I'm feeling an energy and I'm I'm feeling the wheels of motion turning in my life. 
So last week after I recorded the episode about want and desire, I went for a walk with a friend and she was telling me that she'd gotten a ticket to go hear a storyteller and she was telling me about the performance and how amazing it was one person on stage and that it was standing room only. And I just got really inspired and we started talking about storytelling and plays and art and different artistic experiences that have moved us and have meant so much to us. And I realized that is something I want for this year. I want to have meaningful experiences with art and plan some fun family adventures where I take my family and we go participate in good art. I live close to several universities. I have a lot of quality artistic productions available around me for reasonable cost. So that is something that I desire this year to have positive interactions with artistic performance. How about you? What is something that you desire this year? And remember, it's not something you should want or that you believe you ought to want. This is something that would absolutely tickle your fancy bring you sheer joy. So the second follow-up about last week's episode is that while I was playing and editing it, my nine-year-old son, who I didn't know was listening, came up to me and said, I have a connection about that. And he proceeded to tell me how he notices in his day that sometimes he gets what he thinks about, but that sometimes it works better if he tricks his brain And he thinks that he doesn't really want that thing. And then he ends up getting it faster, which actually is a true principle about relaxing the repelling push of energy that comes if you want something so much that you believe you absolutely need it in order to be happy. That's a completely different episode, but it has to do with the energy of wanting but not needing it. And then it comes faster. It manifests faster. So anyway, that's a different episode. But I had this an amazing conversation with my nine-year-old about our brains and our emotions and energy. We had a really cool discussion and I'm always amazed that kids are able to understand and accept these concepts even more readily than adults. They get it. And so that brings me to my third follow-up, which is after that conversation with my nine-year-old, I decided that I wanted to talk about this as a family. So I decided to make this into a family night lesson. And by make this into a family night lesson, I mean that five minutes before family prayer, I said, we're going to have a 15-minute discussion. And I grabbed the whiteboard and markers and they know that I do the podcast. And so I summarized that the podcast was about want and desire And that I wanted us to just brainstorm together as a family some crazy, fun, big, maybe even outrageous things that we would want if there were no limitations. No limitations of time, money, space, resources, just a free-for-all dream session. I said, what would absolutely thrill you? What would give you zing? And my 13-year-old was the first one to chime in. And he said, I would take every class at the junior high school that I don't have time to fit into my schedule. Okay, whoa. My 13-year-old was saying that he wanted more school. And so I asked him, tell me about some of the classes that you would take that you aren't able to fit in your schedule now. And he went on, he said, I would do musical theater. I would do drama. I would take every technology class. I would take the construction class, the manufacturing class, foods class, mythology, and of course, popular literature. 
And as he was talking, I could see that this concept of limitless learning was just sparkling in his eyes and he had real passion about learning. So then my nine-year-old chimes in and of course what he wants is for Pokemon to be real. Like he could have a Pokemon as a real pet. So we talked about which Pokemon would he most like to have as real if he could bring three to life, which ones would they be? He says Riolu and maybe Charmander and other ones that I couldn't pronounce or spell on the whiteboard. But we just kind of dreamed about it and how it would be. And he said, do you think that could really happen? Do you think if I really think about it, that Pokemon could become real? And I said, you know what? There are a lot of things that are real today that people 10, 20, 50, 100 years ago would have never imagined could be real. So I have no doubt that if you want it, you could find a way to make it real. Then my 15-year-old put on the board that he wanted, get this, a photographic memory with delete options. Okay, that would be pretty cool. I can honestly say I'd never thought of that before. He also added that he wanted perfect empathy. My husband said that he would love to live on the French Riviera and to have a cook and a housekeeper. And he wasn't meaning me as a cook and a housekeeper. And I was like, oh yeah, I could totally do that. I'm just going to jump on that dream ship and ride it with you because that would be awesome. I shared a big dream that I would be so thrilled if I could work with John Lasseter on a movie. Oh my goodness, when I think about being able to create a story, bring a story to life with John Lasseter, one of the greatest storytellers, I think that makes me zing. That would absolutely thrill me and bring me sheer joy. I know it would have some work involved, that it would take effort. Dreaming is not without effort. Want and desire does not mean that we want to just instantly receive things or have them delivered in our laps. Because part of being able to live the dream is developing the skill and the attributes to make the dream happen. My 13-year-old chimed in that he would like to go to school in Japan and that he would like the ability to read body language. So then 15 minutes were up. I said, okay, that's it. Let's have family prayer. And my 15-year-old interrupted and he said, wait a minute. I have to point out how much energy there is in this room. And I paused and we all paused. It was electrifying. We were all super happy and we were so charged up. The experience reinforced to me what I'm learning for myself and what I'm talking about in this podcast, that to be creators, we need knowledge and power to bring our creations to life. We need education and the fuel to make things happen. And dreaming big creates energy big time. It was awesome. So three cool things that happened to me and to my family from talking about want and desire. And one week later, I'm even more a believer that there is power in our heart's desires. And I got to know things about my kids and my husband that I didn't know before. 
I would love to hear your stories. You know I love stories, which reminds me that I do need to add a contact me button to my website so that you can email me with the experiences that you're having. If you have subscribed to my Monday message emails, you can simply reply to that email address and I will get it. Subscribing is one way to make sure that you never miss an episode because I email the episode link along with an inspirational message every Monday. So now that we've been pondering about and tuning into our heart's wants and desires, today's topic is the power of permission. So after that lengthy introduction, welcome to episode three, the power of permission. Last week, talking about want and desire, we learned that one of the barriers that blocks us from knowing and going after what we want is that we lack permission. Now you might say, okay, why do I need permission? To which I would respond, exactly. Why do we think we need permission? Today, we're going to break this down by talking about three points. One, why is it that we think we need permission? And second, where we go often to get default permission. And finally, we're going to talk about some specific permissions we can give ourselves that create power in our life. So number one, why do we think we need permission? Last week I mentioned that, you know, this may come from our childhood when we really did need to ask our parents permission to do or go or, or have things. And so that may just be ingrained in us, but we do this. It happens so often we see people and we ourselves may have an aspiration to be a singer or an actress or to publish a book. And we want someone else to discover us. We want someone else to discover our talent and to say, you are incredible. You need to do this. I'm going to sponsor you. I'm going to make this happen. And so that all we have to do is show up because someone else has already validated, given us the endorsement. We hunger, we hunger for that kind of validation, for that kind of permission. It's very scary to put ourselves out there on our own without a safety net, without knowing if we really are good enough or if it's just in our head. And it's very scary to say, I'm just doing this because I said I could and not, well, so-and-so with credentials said that I could do this. What I'm learning is that very rarely, if ever, does this happen, that someone discovers you and makes your dreams come true. People who have the lives we admire have made it happen on their own. I recently learned that Dwayne The Rock Johnson, when he wanted to transition from wrestling and sports into acting, he created his own production company. The movies that he is in, most of them are ones that He set up the situation. He had the screenplays get written. He produced it himself. He acted in it because he had a certain type of movie that he wanted to do. And he wasn't a stereotypical actor coming from a background of bodybuilding. And so he had to create his own fortune. I think this is true for so many of the people that we would view as really successful or lucky. They are living their dreams, not because someone else told them they could, but because they gave themselves permission to go for it. I have a story about this. When I was 21 years old, I had the opportunity to sign up to be a full-time missionary for my church, and I really wanted to, but 
I really wanted to know if it's what God wanted me to do. I wanted God's permission. So I prayed and prayed and I'd ask God, is it right for me to leave college, to leave my family and to go be a missionary? Or do you want me to stay here in school and maybe meet Mr. Wright and get married and have a family? And I didn't get an answer. And it went on for months and months and the deadlines were approaching and still no answer. And so finally I said, God, I want to be a missionary. It's something I've always wanted to do, and I'm going to go ahead. I am going to go ahead and fill out the paperwork, and if there's any reason that you have or anything that you know about that I shouldn't do this, then please let me know because otherwise I'm going to go ahead. So I filled out the applications. I got assigned to serve in Belgium. I bought a lot of skirts and sensible shoes. I packed my suitcases, and I went to the training school. I never heard anything back from God about it. And it wasn't until I had been a couple of weeks in the training school trying to learn French that one day I got this amazing, warm feeling from God that I was in a good place. I had made a good decision. I rely on this experience a lot to remind me that there isn't always right or wrong, that God doesn't want to have to command me in every step I take in my life. It would be very cumbersome if God had to constantly tell every human on this planet what good thing they could do for the world today and the next day and the next day. Instead, God gave us a measure of his intelligence and his divinity so that we can come up with our own ideas. Now, I am not talking about a no rules free for all where we can do anything that we want anytime without consequences. I'm not talking here about want and desires as fulfilling unbridled passions. I don't want to hear anyone say that they gave themselves permission to murder the person who was annoying them or gave themselves permission to ignore red lights because they can kind of slow you down. I'm not talking about breaking civil laws or betraying moral guidelines. So this is not permission to have an affair. We do live by Ten Commandments to not kill, steal, cheat, lie, or sleep around. We also live according to laws of government, so these boundaries give us safety as society. And within those boundaries of what is legal, moral, and ethical, we have a lot of freedom to create good. And most of the time, we don't need permission. This brings us to the second point of where we do often get default permission. Because it is so challenging for us as humans to give ourselves permission and to go ahead and do something just because I said I can, then we often rely on default permission. And these things are not terrible. They can actually be very motivating and can really open doors for us. And I just want to mention these and I think maybe you'd be able to relate to them too. So number one, sometimes we get permission by hearing or seeing someone else do it. This is, for example, last week when I talked about reading Liz Gilbert's book and that she just started to ask herself, what do I want? I want to leave this party early. I want to buy myself a pencil box. Just knowing that someone else had done it changed my paradigm and opened up the possibility to me. Oh, that's a thing. I can do that. I can ask myself what I want. Here are three other quick examples of ways that I got permission by seeing or hearing someone else do it. I have the natural tendency to move at about a snail's pace. Now you'd be very surprised by this because even my husband said the first thing that he noticed about me when he first saw me in college was my speed walk around campus, that I would speed walk 
everywhere. I grew up in the age of Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and planners and time management programs. And I believed that you had to use every minute. And so that meant performing and doing every task at Olympic speed, faster, faster, stronger, bigger, better, cram more in, the more, the better, the more, the better. And so I had trained myself to live this way and it never really felt good to me. And I was watching an interview one day with Lance Armstrong's first wife. And Lance Armstrong is the cyclist, has won several Tour de, Tour de France races. And she was talking about being married to him and the machine of being Mrs. Armstrong and how it was always getting the kids dressed and packed and ready for another photo opportunity and to another race and to another training and that it was just such a fast pace. And one thing that she discovered about herself is how much she liked to take her time. And when she said that, I thought, oh my goodness, I do too. I like to take my time. I like to go about things kind of slowly, but I'd never given myself permission to live that way because I thought it wasn't okay. I thought that in order to be successful and worthwhile, I always had to be in a hurry. I had to work faster, harder, do more, cram more in. And so to hear her say, I like to take my time, that gave me permission. Oh, you can do that. You can take time and it's not horrible. Another quick example, and talking about Stephen Covey, who is the author of Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, I read an article about him that he was a proficient napper. He loved to take power naps and he would squeeze in a nap whenever he could. And I've talked about this already so much on these episodes that I've always felt kind of guilty for taking naps, always felt like, oh, it's a waste of time. It means I'm a lazy person. And still my brain is resistant to feeling okay about taking a nap. And so to hear that Stephen Covey, the author of Habits of Highly Successful People, was a proficient napper, wow, that gave me permission that it's okay to take naps. Okay, my final example, I have a bit of a notebook problem. You might call it an addiction. I have a lot of notebooks and my husband teases that we can never move because we would have to have a moving van specifically for the boxes filled with just my notebooks. So I've always been this way from the time that I was little and my mother handed me my first 10 cent spiral bound notebook that was my first journal. And I've always just kept notes and written them here and there. And I'd start one notebook and then I'd start another notebook and I always keep them. And I thought that this was a sign of disorganization and that it just represented my scattered brain and all of this. And then one day I saw a documentary about JK Rowling and she took a lid off of this enormous plastic tub filled with notebooks and scraps of paper with all of her notes and brainstorms about the Harry Potter series. Nothing was organized. Things were partially used up. She had notes scribbled across programs and napkins from restaurants and I felt so validated and it gave me permission to be okay with my notebook habit. That may not be a bad thing if it worked for JK Rowling. That's not a bad example to follow. And so now I feel a lot better about my notebook habit. So sometimes we can get permission by seeing or hearing that someone else 
does it. This is the power of good example, and it's not a bad thing. It can be a very good way to give ourselves permission. Okay, a second default way that sometimes can give us permission is by having an accident, an illness, or a near-death experience. There is a great story going around on Facebook right now about the cross-country skier Janine Shepard, and she had won several national titles. She's Australian. And then one day she was hit by a car and paralyzed. And she decided that if she wasn't meant to walk, then she would learn to fly. She got her pilot's license and she worked extremely hard in her physical training to be able to get movement back in her legs so that she could pass the medical requirements so that she could get her pilot's license. And now she flies. She talks about how that accident changed her from what she thought she was supposed to be to an even bigger picture of herself. She had never considered flying before, and now she can fly all around the world faster than she could ever ski before. So sometimes an accident can give us permission or be an awakening to have a bigger vision of ourselves. This can also come from an illness. I once read, I need to find this again, that our subconscious chooses the illnesses that are most convenient for us. And I kind of believe that's true. I think there is some truth to the fact that I got sick and diagnosed with chronic illness and postpartum depression in order to give me permission to take care of my health because I could never give myself permission to take care of my health. I lived in full out martyr mode. I couldn't give myself permission to take a nap. I was always wanting my husband to tell me to go lay down. I would just play these scenarios in my mind where he could see that I was so tired, that I'd worked myself to exhaustion, that I'd stayed up so late the night before, and that he would say, honey, you're working too hard. I will take the kids. I will take them to the park. I will feed them. You go lay down and have a nap. And of course he wouldn't. And I would be so mad at him. And then he'd have no idea why I was so mad about something that he didn't even know that he was supposed to do. So the bottom line is that it's nobody else's job to give me permission to live my best life. It's nobody else's job to tell me what I need. It's nobody else's job to tell me what I can or can't do. I am a grown up woman. I can give myself permission to take care of myself, to choose my schedule, to monitor my busyness, to monitor my stress levels, and to do what I need to do in order to be healthy. Now I feel like I have permission that I can ask for help, that I can ask my husband to take care of the kids or to make dinner, which he is always more than happy to do. He will do anything that I ask him to do, but it's not his job to read my mind. It's my job. I decide. So illness isn't a fantastic way to get permission. Wouldn't it have just been so much better if I had given myself permission to take a nap, to slow down, to ask for help? But it can be really hard for us as humans to do that. It's really hard to say, I can, or to say, I need, and to do that for ourselves, to give ourselves the permission. Another part of this is the near-death experience. You hear of people who have near-death experiences, and then suddenly it's like they have no fear. They are open to trying things that they never would have dared to try before. I think of Stephanie Nilsson, the blogger who blogs at Nini Diaries. And after nearly dying in a plane crash, she talks openly about God and faith. 
And I thought, oh, well, she can do that so openly because she almost died. But then I tell myself, I don't need a near-death experience to be able to share my faith without apology or to go for my dreams. I don't need to have a near-death experience. I can give myself permission to do that on my own. Number three, another way that we get default permission is if we get asked to do it, especially in church, this gives us an okay reason to do something. I've recently started teaching a healing for heart, mind, and body class at my church. And when I told my mom about it, she said, oh, did you get asked to do that? Did the church leaders call you to teach? And nope, I didn't get asked to do it. Last year, my word for last year was teach. And I just really wanted to start teaching. I've learned a few things about healing. And I believe that when we learn something that we pay it forward by teaching somebody else. Last year, I thought about this word. I molded over. I was even waiting for opportunities to teach to drop into my lap and nothing really happened. And so I gave myself permission to teach. I created the class. I created the class outline. I proposed it to the church leaders. I did ask permission and get permission to use the church building, right? Because that's the proper thing to do but I gave myself permission and I'm creating opportunities to teach. So let's be careful about not doing something just because we haven't been asked and also to be careful not to do something just because we have been asked. Just because someone else thought of us for it doesn't mean that we ought to do it or that we have to do it. I decide, I get to ask myself, is this the best thing that I can do with my gifts and my time and my talent and my resources? So these are just three of the ways that we can get default permission by seeing or hearing that somebody else is doing it. Sometimes having an accident, an illness, or a near-death experience can give us the permission and remove the fear of it. And third, that someone else might ask us to do it. So these are some default ways that we can get permission to do things in our life. But the bottom line is that we don't need outside permission. We can give ourselves permission because I decide is my superpower. I decide what I want my life to be. All right, the final point we're going to talk about today is the power of permission to. Here are just a few things that I've given myself permission for over the last few years. I have given myself permission to be slow, to take my time. I've given myself permission to rest, go to bed early, sleep late, take a nap. I've given myself permission to not decorate my house. I've given myself permission to show up as I am, imperfect, real, in friendships, life, in my marriage. Permission to pursue my passion without worrying about earning money or getting recognition. Permission to invest in my health. Permission to invest in my education and in learning new skills. Permission to make the best decision I know how without stressing if it's right or wrong. Permission to discover my needs to listen to my spirit, mind, and body, and to say what I need and to fulfill it myself or ask for it if I need. I've given myself permission to be imperfect, to fail, to do things at a very amateur level, and to experiment. I've given myself permission to not be good at everything and to not pretend that I'm interested in being good at everything. There are a lot of ways that moms are good at nurturing that are just not my thing, such as birthday parties. My kids rarely get birthday parties. Homemade crafts, home decor, holiday traditions, holiday decorations. My kids beg 
every year to please let us decorate for Halloween. I'm just not so great at decorations. That's okay. I give myself permission that decorating's not my thing. There are probably a lot more other ways, but I've stopped looking and comparing. I give myself permission to admire and appreciate and compliment these qualities in other women without feeling less about myself and without feeling that because they do that I should. Also without apologizing for why I don't. I can just let it be. Someone else can be good at that and that is great and I'm happy for them and I don't feel like I need to do that also or that I need to be that also. Another thing is that I've given myself permission to figure it out. I give myself time to learn, time to experiment, time to discover. And finally, I've given myself permission to let it be, to let other people be who they are, to let situations be what they are without me trying to control lives and situations that are outside of my realm of stewardship. Permission to let it be. In next week's episode, I'm going to break down some of these aspects of permission I have a lot of stories and a lot of examples about how powerful it can be to give yourself permission in your life for certain things. So I look forward to hearing from you this week and the experiences that you're having with discovering your wants and your desires. And next week we will break down and talk about the power of permission in even more detail. Have a fantastic week. I'll meet you here for the next episode.